Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Sunday. Today we have a special podcast talking about USC starting off 2-0 and beating down Idaho 59-9. We're going to talk with Coach Harvey Hyde a little bit earlier. We're going to talk on Sunday and kind of get a more instant reaction of what was going on in the Coliseum. If you have any questions or comments for us, and we've got a lot of them this week, drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 641 715 3900 extension 816646. You can also leave us a voicemail on our website, peristylepodcast.com. And also please subscribe on iTunes, itunes.com slash peristylepodcast. Leave us some positive feedback. We do appreciate that. You can, of course, interact with us on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Inside Troy and our coach, he's on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. Let's welcome in the coach. What's up, buddy? How are you? Ryan, I'm doing great, bud. Uh, when you're 2-0 or the Trojans are 2-0, and everybody should be happy. I know everybody's saying, why do we play that team and why are we doing it and what are we getting out of it? Well, it's better than playing nobody. And that's what the situation that USC was in when Texas A&M dropped them because of a, they have an out clause in the contract. And then, of course, USC had to go out and find somebody. And, you know, it has to fit into their schedules. And Idaho was one of the only teams in the country, first of all, that would want to play USC if you're – if you're out there and you're in a power conference where you don't want to play FC, but you want to get a loss, so uh, they picked up Idaho, and Idaho came to Southern California and took back a nice check, and everybody got to see a football game where they demonstrated all the players' skills, and I thought it was a, a, a good matchup as far as being able to rotate players and evaluate them on film and the players themselves to evaluate themselves. So it was a good teaching situation, but not, not a hard-fought football game that people like to watch. I uh, agree with you 100%, Coach. And we have a lot of questions about that game. And, you know, most everything's positive because there's not much, too much nitpicking you can do at 59-9, but there's still some. Uh, but I want to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. You can go to sctickets.com or give them a call at 1-800-888-7287. Excuse me. If you need tickets for the upcoming USC-Stanford game, any other home games, road games, concerts, uh, other sporting events, you can check them out on sctickets.com, and they'll hook you up. And there's more information at the end of the show as well. And uh, I thought we might just jump into some of these questions, Coach, because there's a lot of different topics covered. And might, uh, I think we'll touch on just about everything by answering the questions today. Well, you take off. Let's get it done. All right, we'll start off with voicemail one first. Here you go. Yeah, hey, guys. This is Jeff in Lake Forest uh, down in OC. Just wanted to say good Trojan victory. Um all aspects, they looked really good. We had a good play calling, excellent uh, offensive show, great running. I think the offensive linemen did a great job on rebounding from the previous week. The one thing that did concern me, and maybe uh, Ryan and Coach can talk about this, is the three down linemen. I was kind of isolating them, especially at the beginning of that third quarter. They seemed to not get much of a push, and uh, – if anyone was putting pressure on the quarterbacks, it was the linebackers. Every time a quarterback was rushed, it was one of our linebackers. So I don't know how that's going to hold up against Stanford uh, on that front three. 
So I just wanted you to comment on that if you noticed that at all. Uh, kudos to that linebacker crew. Had a great game. Uh, defensive secondary looked pretty good. Uh, although that third quarter there, the, the uh, Vandals were moving the ball quite well at one point. But overall, obviously, we were uh, dominant against the Vandals. So let's uh, hope we play well against Stanford. Okay, take care, guys, and great job, and kudos to the whole uh, uscfootball.com staff. All right, bye. Thank you, Justin. Uh, we thank you for sending your question in, and I'll try to answer those. And, Ryan, of course, jump in when you ever have a comment. Uh, yes, you're exactly right. I don't think that the Trojans' defensive line get to push and play on the other side of the ball like most people should. I don't see many plays stopped before they get started. Uh, their quickness seems to me be lacking. Their their aggression seems to be lacking uh, as far as getting to the football. I've been watching them closely to see exactly their action, their aggressiveness, and uh, their push. And it's very important that you keep the the uh, blockers off your linebackers. And what's happening, they're going to have to stop more to get to the quarterback. But when you stop more to get to the quarterback, you've got to have con- contain. And at times I see them losing contain which means if you're sending the player uh, guys up the middle to get the quarterback, then obviously the quarterback's going to be flushed out of the pocket and you want him to run right to you or you want to push him back to where the linebackers are pursuing. So uh, I agree with you 100%. I expect better play or there should be better play with the down linemen as far as their quickness, as far as being aggressive, as far as playing the gap, getting through the gaps, using the swim technique. I don't see much of that at all happening as far as penetrating into the other uh, side of the line. Now, a lot of it might be they just want bowl rush, just hit up and bowl rush back. That's what they're looking for. That's what they're trying to do. But I don't see a lot of penetration on the offensive side of the football. Was that the entire question there, Ryan, or did I miss the second part? No, no. I mean, I think and, you know he had some issues with the secondary uh, too. But it's it's funny, Coach, when a game like this, like they're still – Idaho was not a very good team. But they're still on the other side of the football. They still went through spring practice. They still have athletes. They're still, if they have a drive where they come out and look okay, or they complete a few passes, like that's what they're trying to do. It's not like USC is so much better that you can't even give up a first down ever. I, I feel like the bar gets raised pretty high. Like, yeah, I mean, Idaho got crushed, but they had a couple, they had some moments, you know, I mean, I, I just don't see why if the other team has some moments that that's such a critical thing on the USC side. Well, I think what most people are concerned with, Ryan, is that, you know, we talked about the ability of Idaho, and the offensive side certainly demonstrated through its skilled players that they can dominate a score whenever they wanted to. In fact, they could run that one play over and over and over. They pass out to the receivers or run certain plays, and you'd score every down or be close to scoring every down and making a first down every play. And obviously they tried to mix it up a little bit, and we can talk about that if you want to later on. But on the defensive side, there didn't, wasn't that great domination, domination that people want to expect as far as, you know, really getting across, dominating, tacking, tackling well. You know, they missed a lot of open field tackles. They didn't settle up. Uh, they, they, they ran by people. Uh, you've got to be able to settle up. You, you can't be so concerned about making the great hit. Boom. You knock somebody out. You've got to make sure you get out there, settle up and make the tackle, especially when you're in the open field and you're one of the, only guys that are out there. So I would say that if you looked at the team and you graded the offensive side and the defensive side, I would say the offensive side outshined the defensive side. So people are looking at the overall picture as far as saying, okay, 
we got to get a little bit better here. We got to get a little bit better in the kicking game. So basically, when you when you look at things, you, and the coaches look at things, and the players look at things, they've got to get more action because the offensive lines they're going to face are going to be a heck of a lot better than the offensive lines that they have faced. And, and you mentioned earlier about Arkansas State. Arkansas State played Missouri from the Southeastern Conference, who's won that division the last two years to a pretty good game, 27-20. But Idaho is a team that really uh, is not the caliber that should be playing USC, and everybody expects, and I would expect, being a defensive coach or a defensive coordinator, that we would dominate more in the third quarter. But the last two games in the third quarter, the teams have driven down and scored a touchdown. True. Last night it was 75 yards. Well, you know, you got to come out with the same intensity that you leave the field with. So I think that's what people are concerned with because they're still thinking about the past years. Uh, I agree with you, Coach. Uh, we got one more voicemail for you. Here you go. Ryan, this message is for Coach Harvey Hyde. I'd like to know why USC is not receiving more love nationally specifically by the college game day uh, hosts on a Saturday morning. Everyone seems to love Stanford. Uh, that doesn't look so good uh, on Tuesday. Uh, and this is Dan in uh, Tustin. Bye-bye. Dan in Tustin. Dan, thank you very much for checking in with us. Uh, Dan, there's, there's a couple of reasons, and, and uh, I think we all point this out. Uh, USC has not been on national TV the entire year. Uh, television, they've been on the uh, Pac-12 network the last two games, and they've been late games. So the East Coast and a lot of those people back there who, you know, watch football, some of them have already gone to bed. And the Pac-12 network really doesn't even carry it here on DirecTV in Southern California or anywhere. So they're not getting the exposure that they should be getting, and that's been a real thorn in my my foot as far as thinking about why that isn't being done. That's got to be done because you're cheating the Pac-12. You're cheating the players that play in the Pac-12, the coaches and the rankings and the exposure that the Pac-12 should be getting. So they lose a lot of exposure there. Uh, the local cable companies, uh, a lot of them aren't carried back east or in the Midwest or other places, so people don't have access to it, but they can pull it up if they look for it in these uh, in Bristol and these other places because they have the access to doing that, and they probably belong to everything anyway. But... Uh, they haven't given them a lot of love, too, but they probably don't respect who they played in the first games, a couple of games that much. And and uh, I don't think they're going to ignore uh, USC. I think they're in a position where they're waiting to see just what FC will do the next two weeks against Stanford and, again, Arizona State. So I think the, the real uh, topic of discussion is Stanford next week, long-time rivalry, and a good test for both teams. You know, it's a conference football game. So one team's either going to be 1-0 and in conference or 0-1, and you cannot open your conference play and be 0-1 if you're thinking about winning the division, especially in the South. So I think that's, that's the best way I can answer it. I really don't know why any more than that, but that's my answer. Uh, Coach, I know you also got um, – there was an email that we got that I forwarded you during the week. Do you want to kind of read that and maybe comment on that before we jump into the other questions? Yeah, I do. I try to answer uh, the emails or tweets that I get. First of all, I want to thank both of you who did send things to me. First of all, I'm, I apologize that I did not pronounce SUA uh, properly, and I appreciate that. It, it's a slip of my tongue, and I want to apologize to the person, and I will try to make the effort to pronounce his first name correctly. Uh, 
Robert Smith uh, sent me an email, or sent it to you, Ryan, and you forwarded it to me. He says, you won't get this until after the Idaho game, but in, it is something that has bugged me since the Lane Kiffin era, and it's straight ahead running. Seems like we never run between the tackles. Every running play seems to be running at to the left or to the right, sweep-like action. Doesn't the offensive line and team demonstrate more dominance when or short yardage especially? They run at the defense. Man, okay, so let's, I won't read it all, because he lists the schools that do that, such as Stanford and Ohio State and so on. And uh, short yardage, he says, uh, is something that he wants to talk about. And then he says, fight on. So, Robert, again, thank you very much for uh, checking in with us. Uh, yeah, I agree. See, uh, I, I think that you've got to be able to hit every hole on the offensive line, right and left and either side, whatever, with quick hitting plays, power plays. You've always heard me talk about getting into a short yardage offense that you believe in. You see it at Michigan. You see it at UCLA when they put Miles Jack in there and he runs off tackle with two tight in the wing. they got three tight ends and sometimes two tackles, three tackles. Just blow you off the line of scrimmage. So, yeah, uh, USC's philosophy hasn't been to do that. Dominate block, blow you off and when it's third down and two and you're on the one-yard line or three-yard line or fourth down and one and you're going for it, you just line up into that and you just blow somebody off the line of scrimmage and Everybody knows that that's the way we get our first down, and then once in a while you play action pass and you get big six out of it. So, uh, yeah, that I agree 100%. Most of their uh, running plays are more delayed or reads, and, again, it's very difficult to have an outside threat when Cody Kessler really doesn't run. Uh, they they ran a flight uh, play to or a jet sweep to uh, Adoree during the game. I'd like to see him use that that motion action with Adore or Dave Mitchell or so on and, and still run a play or pass the ball the other way, not always give him the football. Every time he's in the game to get him the ball, either with a run or two passes in a row, I think they need to use him as a decoy so they don't, they don't always think every time he comes in the game that this guy's going to get the football. But I think you've got to hit the middle of the line more. You've got to hit quick hitting plays. You've got to be able to get inside the tackle area, and they did do that with their power off tackle couple of times the guard got up in there and they got to get in there quicker and be square and, and make a couple of blocks. They scored a touchdown down there with one on going to the left where they had really great blocking by the tight end, the lead block tackle. And they did run a lot of plays off tackle with Sumu uh, leading uh, as the fullback and then the back going off tackle. I thought that was really well done. Then they played that play action pass out of that too, which made some big plays. So, uh, yeah, uh, I've, I've, you've heard me talk about that. They don't hit all the holes along the offense. They don't have really an outside threat in the running game without the uh, fly sweep, jet sweep, whatever you want to call it. But uh, that's a play, too, that if you were to play action off of it, too, it would be a great play. So, you know, you hand the ball, you're fake handing the ball, then you come back and throw the deep pass. Same thing with the bubble screen. I'm waiting for that screen. They've hit that so many times, the time to pump it, have the, the the defensive or the offensive blocking a receiver go down and fake the block, just brush block him, and then go down the field, and he'd be wide open because the defensive back is trying to come up and make the tackle. So, yeah, I agree with you. I agree 100%. I'd like to see them believe more in a short yardage offense and a power type of offense, and we want to thank you very much for uh, – checking in with us yeah you know i thought that in this game there was less of the kind of stretch side to side i thought there was more kind of quick hitting straight ahead stuff maybe it was i mean maybe it's just me but i felt they did more of that this week against idaho as opposed to last week against arkansas state 
They did, Ryan. They did. They pulled the guard a lot more. They more uh, they blocked more man on man and and uh, stayed with their blocks longer than what they had had in the past, where the back was able to make a move or two or set up blocks for the receivers to make, so they can make the big play. And and I think that's what's important. Once Jones and these backs get through the line of scrimmage, make a move right or left, they see the receivers blocking downfield. They can set up blocks for the receivers. And it really does. That's why the big play comes once you get through the line of scrimmage. When you have those type of guys in the secondary, I'll tell you, it's uh, it's a lot of problems for the defense. Uh, well, thanks to Robert for that one. I wanted to thank Jay and Yakaipar. He basically had the same question as our voicemail about the uh, front four getting pushed that uh, Coach Harvey Hyde talked about. Uh, Terrian also wrote in, um, Coach Hyde, with so many, many games this time of year between overmatched teams, uh, would you explain how you or a good coach – or yeah, he said, or good coach, or a good coach. I think he assumes you're a good coach too. <laughs> motivates their players. <laughs> I, I'm assume so. We'll have to ask, ask Terrian. Uh, motivates their players when the players know during the prior week and the day of the game that they're going to be play. They're going to be the far superior team. And what do you say to them at halftime if they're 30 plus points behind? Uh, thanks for your participation in the podcast. Oh, I think he's talking about. If you're the underdog team, what do you say when you, you go into the, the game and you, and you know that you're playing a far superior team? All right. Uh, if you're the underdog going into the game, like you're a 43-point underdog, like Idaho was at the start of the game and even went to 44, uh, you know, it's very difficult. You can't kid kids. you got to be honest with kids. Kids know why you're playing USC. Everybody talks about it. Their parents talk about it. The newspapers talk about it. Uh, you know, even in the Los Angeles papers, they say why they're talking about it, how much money they're making to come to Los Angeles to go back and continue with their program and keep their program alive. That's the only reason they play these guys. I call them body bag games and money bag, but money bag games. That's why you play them. So, you know, it's, it's a very tough thing for a coach to do. It really, especially when you're trying to build a program, you, you don't want to schedule these games, but athletic directors schedule them and then, Later, they fire the coach because he isn't playing them very well because of the pressure that that uh, the public put on them, and they sometimes lose players during the game, and that hurts their entire season. My theory on that is you don't mislead kids. You tell kids it's going to be a great experience. We're going to Southern California and play in a great venue, the Coliseum, where they've had Olympics and blah, 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 all of the above. I don't have to get into that. And you say we're going to go in there, we're going to play our best, give our best effort, and that's all we can do. Go in there. We're going to play our best game. We're going to try to do the things we normally do. We're going to try to get better. And we're going to learn from it. We're going to try to learn from this experience to help us the rest of the season. And you don't give them a rah-rah that we're going to upset them today and we're going to go back and we're going to party. Because if you put too much into this game, you'll lose the next game, a game you're supposed to win. Because the kids will get so emotionally ready to play this game that they can't get ready to play the next week. We had that happen to me when I was an assistant coach for a gentleman that thought we would go down to Clemson, play Clemson down there, and we were going to beat Clemson, put the whole season into one game at Clemson. Now, playing at Clemson is is a big enough challenge if you're LSU or somebody. We weren't LSU. So he put this challenge to the team as far as not embarrassing ourselves and blah, blah, blah. We went down there. And we're beating 50 to 6 or something like that. The kids felt like they had lost the war. The season was done. We, it's all over with. We fit, we're failures. This and that. We're not failures. We still got 11 games to play. We came back the next week, played a team we should beat, 
We played Utah State. Utah State beat us on the road. Why? Because we didn't have any energy left. We thought we were failures. We thought we were losers. We thought we embarrassed the community, the school, who we were, instead of being realistic. So you've got to be realistic when you're a football coach, and you've got to be realistic with your players so your players believe you when you say certain things to them. Because you can't mislead parents and players today. They know as much about what's going on as you do, and they want to hear what you have to say about it. So what you do is you go down there, you play it, and you coach the game in a way where you keep the clock going, you keep the ball on the uh, ground, you want the clock to run down, you don't throw to try to catch up. Because when you throw to catch up, they just make make more plays and it's incomplete passes and the clock stops and they run a interception back and it gets to be a joke. So what you want to do is try a little field position, try to keep the games going, take your check and get back home and get ready to win your next game. And we've seen a couple of these games, uh, you know, Toledo ends up, uh, you know, winning against Arkansas. We saw Jacksonville State had Auburn on the ropes and should have won. They just kind of choked it away at the end. Cal Poly and Arizona State were tied in the fourth quarter last night. I mean, it's not like, yeah, Idaho, Arkansas State, those teams came up and everything that was should you thought should happen happens, and that happens a lot. But it doesn't always happen, Coach. doesn't always happen. There's more parity now than there ever was before. But realistically, realistically looking at it, you know, if you go in saying you're going to do this and you're going to do that and it doesn't happen, you, you put too much uh, in what you're trying to do. Now, if, if those games, so you'll look at those games, and I haven't seen those games, okay? But you'll see that the, they didn't necessarily beat that team. That team helped beat themselves. Yeah, they weren't sure. ready to play. They fumbled the ball. They turned over. They were, you know, they, they didn't get ready to play all week and team made some great plays and all of a sudden they left him in the game. And what, what happened is they almost beat him because they, they let him feel that they could play with him. Yeah. So, you know, that's basically what happens. And you're right. I should never say you can't win those games, but you got to have athletes to even play with people. Right, and right. I, I wasn't thinking about having the type of athlete you could play with people, you know? No, I got you, coach. Um, next one up is Mike. Um, from Lantana, Texas. He says, I hope uh, we get out of the Idaho game without any injuries and a great win. Uh, I think that you got your wish, Mike. There were no injuries to report. And 59-9 is pretty good, I would say. He said, uh, you guys do a great job with the show. Thanks so much for letting people all around the country uh, get local, good local coverage on the Trojans. He said, I've never understood why Max Turek isn't our left tackle. I saw an interview with Sark, and the interviewer said, your center is the best left left tackle in the country, and Sark agreed. I know the center makes a lot of line calls, and Max is very intelligent, but he has the whole issue with the extremely long arms, and he can't snap regularly. I know Coach Hyde always stresses on the show getting your best players on the field. Why not put another lineman who can snap regularly and center at center and let Max dominate Cody's backside? Well, I wish I could answer that. Uh, I think he started there, didn't he, Ryan? As a freshman, yeah. Part of uh, I think he had written that in his, his – I had to kind of edit the story, his uh, question down a little bit. But, yeah, as a freshman. Yeah, he did start there at that position. I was so surprised they moved him there because he's a great player. They've got him down. People got him down as a preseason All-American center. And uh, he has the size and uh, to look as though he's a dominant left tackle. Plays that. He's a big guy for a center. Normally, when you look at centers, they're not that big as far as tall and long-armed and so on. They're 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 normally six three, six two, yeah, and and 
Max is big. He's six five, six six, maybe bigger. I don't. I'm not sure. But uh, I, I don't know why. I, I really don't know why. Uh, so I can't answer the question. I've never asked the question. And uh, I don't know, Ryan, maybe when you're at practice this week, you ask that question and somebody will throw a glass of water on your head or something. But <laughs> but uh, that probably wouldn't be the proper question to ask. Say, hey, coach, I had a caller that wanted me to ask you this question. Why are you doing that? And, he, and, I, and then tell me tomorrow, tell me the next show, what, what happened, okay? You know, I feel, I yeah, I mean, the question's been asked before. Uh, I think the ship has sailed for all the people that really don't want to see it happen. I mean, Sark talks about him being the best center in the country. I did an interview with someone from one of the Idaho papers that was asking me about it, and they said, you know, what makes him so good? I think, I'm like, well, he's really, I mean, he's too tall to be a center. His arms are too long. He's got this weird snapping motion, but... He's just, I think he's a really, you know, he's a great offensive lineman that happens to be playing center. I don't know if he's going to be playing center in the NFL. I would guess not. Um, but you know, for, for this team and, you know, maybe under non-sanctioned years, if he came through and Sark would have him at left tackle, but for whatever reason, it seemed to work. They, that, you know, that's where they wanted him. He's, you know, worked out well. You're not seeing really issues with snaps between him and Cody. Um, you know, I, I think he, He's very effective there. And so to me, it's just, they're not going to change. They're not going to fix what isn't broke. Um, so, but I know people keep bringing this up every once in a while, coach. I just don't know what to say, but maybe another day, another time, if, you know, it would have worked out better, but just the timing or whatever, it didn't work out for Max Turk, uh, playing left tackle for USC for three years. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if they draft him as a, as a, as a left tackle or right tackle, but, uh, you know Walker, Andre Walker, uh, who played for SC last year, USC last year. Do you realize he went down to the last cut with the uh, Miami Dolphins? Who knows? They might have picked him up. Uh, and he might be on the taxi squad. Did you know that? Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize how far he had made it, though. But yeah, yeah, just, he went all the way down. Wow, yeah. it wasn't even planned. So uh, nope. <laughs> crazy. All right, let's go. We got a, a few more. Um, Justin wants to know. Uh, he says, obviously the score was good. No complaints there, but I feel like there were some real concerns with the play calling on offense. That's kind of interesting. Uh, lack of pressure on defense, horrible tackling fundamentals, et cetera. And what if the quarterback for Idaho hit all his targets? Uh, we well, probably wouldn't be playing for Idaho, I guess. Uh, the, the game would have been way different. Our talent level was far superior to Arkansas State and Idaho, no doubt, but that's not going to help us when we're playing Oregon or Notre Dame or UCLA, et cetera. Curious to hear the coach's thoughts on what we need to change for the Trojans to be effective against Stanford on Saturday. That's from Justin. Well, partially we've answered and discussed some of those as far as the tackling and open field. I, I yeah. agree with you. wasn't good at all. Uh, they're trying to knock people out rather than settle up, and if a guy makes a move, you're gone, and they, they, they need to work on that. Sometimes linebackers over-pursued and the back ran back uh, on them, and they weren't in a position to tackle well. Uh, as far as the defensive front, we talked about that. They didn't dominate, and if you should dominate, really dominate against Idaho. I mean, if these guys are what they're supposed to be, they they got to dominate and really get some push and knock people around. When they rushed three, there was never anybody that got to the quarterback, never. I know they're blocking them with five, but still there was no push. He could stand back there all day. As far as the contain, we talked about that. Play calling, we can uh, – talk about that you heard me mention it a moment ago as far as uh, i'd love to see them use Adoria as a uh, as, as as somebody that doesn't always touch the football when he's on offense uh, i i don't it's almost every time he's on offense he's touching the ball it's like they made a deal or something 
that when I go in, I'm supposed to get the football. I love to see him uh, stand and be a decoy many times or run across in motion where they think it's going to be uh, this jet sweep or whatever and then go back opposite or take him down the sideline. Do something. Do something. Uh, the play calling on one drive was six straight passes when they went down and scored. And I think what he's talking about earlier in the game, they tried to pass the ball, but that's what Idaho gave them early in the game. They gave them when they're playing five yards, eight yards off, and they're just throwing balls out there and then letting uh, Juju and, and those guys just pound them and run. Juju's a tough guy to tackle. In fact, the sideline, he doesn't try to get out of bounds. He wants to run over you. So they went over and over, and they ran that play. He caught ten passes last night. So and then he had a big play too. So yeah, you can always second guess play calling. I love that you always know that I talk about running the football. When you run the football, everything goes right. And when they had success running the football, then their play action pass was awesome. And I think that that's one thing that I think Clay Helton believes in. And I think if they continue working on their running game and bring their running game along with their outstanding backs, remember they're a big play offensive football team. They've demonstrated that at the first two games. I mean, they're not a, a team that's going to run 100 plays or 200 plays or whatever they want to run. They don't need to run a lot of plays. All they need to do is execute their plays properly. And if you execute your plays properly and you have the great athletes to perform for you, you saw it happen this Saturday, past Saturday. So, you know, uh, you can always second-guess play calling. But, uh, you know, uh, and I'm one that has done that, as you know. But uh, he's going to get better every week as he learns his personnel. It's tough to call plays, too, when you're rotating so many players. Uh, you know, the question was asked in the postgame show by J.J. to, I think it was Jones. He says, uh, do you feel, or wouldn't you rather just stay in the game rather than run a play and run out or run two plays and run out? And uh, Jones says, well, we practice this all the time. Such a great kid. Yes, sir. No, sir. Such a great kid that he isn't going to complain or say anything. But I always feel a player gets a better feel when he's able to go a couple of series in a row. But with great talent like that, they just keep rotating him, and there isn't really a drop-off. I mean, just look the way J Justin Davis looked, and look at the way Madden looked, and Jones, and Ware, and, and Davis, and even James Todd, how good he looked. So when you have great athletes, you're able to do a lot of that, and uh, sometimes you don't know who's in the game. And I wouldn't call a play... Uh, depending on who's in the game, because you don't have enough time to do that. So you see him running in and out and the play going in. So uh, Coach Helton will get it done. He'll get it done. Um, George, the G, kind of wrote in along a very, you know, very much the exact same line, too. And uh, that's been the common theme, Coach, is people are still kind of worried, well, what happens with Stanford and going on? And, you know, to me, I think USC's looked the best of any team in the Pac-12. Uh, honestly, I, I do our Pac-12 podcast. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Pac-12 Podcast if you want to get more on that. But we, you know, I watched Stanford almost every snap they've had this year. Uh, they were awful against Northwestern. They weren't very good even against UCF that was a, a bad team. And then they kind of, the floodgates kind of opened in the second half. Uh, yeah, USC has some warts. Um, but so many of the questions I think have been answered. Certainly not perfect. Certainly there's room for improvement. You're always going to have that. But you, I mean, ESPN just came out with a number. USC's an 82% chance to win the game against Stanford. I think they'll be tough, and Stanford certainly is capable of playing uh, a really tough, you know, a hard game against USC and turning things around. But you watch what USC's been doing, and you watch what Stanford's been doing, and people are kind of concerned. I know, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't be all that concerned, Coach. I would feel pretty good 
going into this game against Stanford, just knowing what the two teams have been looking like, knowing the kind of athletes that USC has now, the kind of depth. It's, you know, you sh- I think the fans should have a little bit more confidence. I guess they're a little gun shy right now, but a little more confidence heading into this Stanford game. Well, they do because it's a great series, a great rivalry. I mean, Stanford is going to hit you. They're going to run the ball. They're going to try to ball control you. They're going to try to run right at you. That's their game plan. They want to keep the ball away from you. And as long as they can run the football and run that power football game at you, your offense doesn't have the football, so you can't score. Your defense is on the field, so they're going to try to wear down the defense, throw their play-action pass, nickel-dime you to death. Hogan can get hot, cause you a lot of problems. And I'll tell you, they haven't faced an offensive line like Stanford. And, of course, the offensive line of, of USC hadn't faced a defensive line like Stanford. So it's going to be some challenges, and they're going to have to suck it up. And as you said or someone said to me that the offensive line didn't, wasn't even tired the first week. They said, man, after the game, they weren't even tired. Well, they're going to get tired because you're not going to see a lot of rotations when you're playing a Pac-12 team. You might see some, but I tell you, ones are going to go against ones. Now, uh, unless unless your your twos are as good as your ones, but in most cases, you're going to have your best players on the field. Yes, you'll rotate some players on the defensive side of the ball, but on the offensive side of the ball, hey, you're going to see the best players in the game. And currently right now on the offensive side of the ball, their best players have been playing, and their offensive line is going to have now be into a real test of finding out if they can hit somebody in the mouth. We've got one last one for you, Coach, from Tarek. Uh, he says, the screens that Idaho ran were very reminiscent of the ones UCLA has run against, against USC for the past three years. Why have we seen no improvement in stopping this play? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's a good uh, question. I think this know, was a little more vanilla uh, in this Idaho game too, where they, you know, I think they were more aggressive against Arkansas State, and they, I, I think you're going to see more of the defense that was attacking in Arkansas State. It seemed like against Idaho, you knew it was just such a mismatch that they didn't really do anything exotic. But that's just my take. Well, uh, you know, you've got to be able. To- to uh, have every play diagnosed, and you got to remember, watch the screen, watch the draw, watch this, watch that. Sometimes plays are going to work. Sometimes plays are going to work against you, and uh, you have a breakdown. One player breaks down on the defensive side of the ball, and they have a, a play. They have a big play. Uh, that time that they ran that play, that one screen, I think they were going after him. And when they went after him and they threw the ball, of course, all your linebackers support and everything was going after the quarterback. The quarterback got the pass off. It was that uh, slip screen, I think, out at the uh, wide side. And the lineman went out and let everybody in, and they threw the ball out there. And they got a couple of good plays off of that. Uh, Sometimes you're going to get those plays. You're going to guess wrong. And uh, that's why sometimes uh, you've got to be able to regroup and understand that, teams are going to get a play here and there. So you can't let that get you down. As far as why uh, they get those plays, is because they called the right play with the right defense that you called, and it worked. Uh, you have a different defense called, and it won't work. So uh, it's more or less a guessing game on the defensive side of the ball, and sometimes they audibleize the things because they want to take advantage of what defense you're in. So uh, I can't tell you why it worked, but I would say in most cases it worked because they guessed right. Coach, great stuff. Really appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing all your insight. 
on a Sunday. So we're working on the working on the weekend, the extra little extra time. But thanks for coming on. It was great. Thank you very much, Ryan. And for all of you out there, thank you very much for joining us every week. Yes, thanks so much. Uh, you've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. And here's a quick message from Southern California Tickets. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 